Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, and this is our show. This is PRT. That stands for Paranormal Roundtable, in case you didn't figure that out, or a pretty righteous time. Uh, but seriously, folks, I have uh, with me tonight, I have two uh, co-hosts. One is Anthony, my nephew. Good evening, everyone. And the other one is... Nelly. Okay, me, I was waiting. I, I was going to announce me. it, but she was like, I was not. She was just nodding her head, folks. You couldn't see it, but she was just goof, goofily. Is that a word? Goofily. She was goofily nodding her head. I just made up a new word too. She, she so, forgot this is in video. It's just yeah, audio. she was just nodding her head like, mm-hmm, yeah, I'm here. Okay, so <laughs> okay, so let's get the chuckles out of the way here because we're going to be talking some serious stuff in a minute. But first, first things first, it's prtpodcast.com. That's our website, prtpodcast.com. Also, uh, my email address is Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com, Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. We also have groups. Uh, we have the Paranormal uh, Encounters. We have Paranormal Lounge, which is Nelly's group, and my group, uh, or, or our group, I should say, it's all of ours, is Paranormal Roundtable. That's the the main, that's the big the big dog. But Nelly, you, you just hit 2,000 yeah. subscribers, yeah. yeah. That's, I'm very proud of you for that. That's awesome. You beat Mushu to to two thousand. <laughs> um, seemed like for a while there he was he was really gonna gonna beat you, but I don't know. Some of the people that were trying to get into paranormal around, uh, paranormal encounters seemed kind of fake to me too. I don't know. It was like you know, like jumbled up word letters and stuff. Like bubblish fish eye. You're like what? I had to ask Tony about that. I was like, something going on here. I should know about. But uh, we also are affiliated with uh, Whisper to a Scream, which is Ryan Tremblay's uh, show, and I was co-hosting that, but we're not really doing anything with it right now because we're trying. Ryan's mother has uh, some some health issues; he has cancer, and he's dealing with that. So it's kind of on hold, kind of on pause. Plus, he was having some some equipment difficulty. Um, it's a learning curve trying to get a show off the ground, get it started, get it going. And so, yeah, there's a lot there, um, that, but we plan on getting it back up and running. But we're going to be releasing these shows that me and him do together, the cryptid shows for Whisper to a Scream. They're going to be being released on uh, Paranormal Roundtable in the meantime. Uh, the audio was terrible in the Goatman episode, so that we ended up putting them on to the Paranormal Roundtable uh, show, uh, show and releasing them there. I hope everybody enjoyed those Goatman origins. And then the Honey Island Swamp Monster we just did with Dana Holyfield. I hope everybody enjoyed that. Now, here's the thing. If you're not subscribed to YouTube and you don't listen to the to YouTube, which it doesn't, tell you, it doesn't cost anything to subscribe. You just hit the subscribe button and you like, whatever. Um, if, you're, if you're a listener to us on one of the other of several platforms that we're on, Spotify, um, iTunes, whatever, go to YouTube and subscribe. Okay. It helps us out, but also we do a live stream every Tuesday. Okay. Every Tuesday we do a live stream and here lately it's gotten pretty heated. The last, uh, three, uh, episodes we've done, um, we have talked about the LBL and the killings in the LBL and we had Jody Cook on, and then we had, uh, the guys from, uh, Cryptid Studies Institute on, um, Johnny Henderson and Elijah Henderson, and they are talking about a witness that came forward that claims that he saw 
the murders of an Amish family. That was very horrific. And so there's been a big controversy. And uh, yeah, and so I've been um, kind of in the middle of it, uh, not by choice. It just kind of happened. I mean, like I kept getting videos uh, of this, uh, you know, horrific incident and it was being covered by the Crypto Studies Institute. And I was kind of ignoring it at first. And then I said, okay, I checked one out. I checked it at it was a little over an hour with you, Nelly. We watched it and I thought, wow, um, this guy's telling his story. So I touched on it on my Tuesday uh, live stream. And next thing you know, a big war blew up in the comment section, which we had to take down a bunch of comments. Um, but the uh, people who were involved in bringing him on, they ended up coming on my show subsequently. And then Jody Cook, of course, had come on and told his side of it and why he believes that the guy wasn't telling the truth. And then so it's gone back and forth. And we're hoping that maybe we'll get Roger on soon. But uh, I think he's got something going with uh, possibly the Travel Channel. I'm not 100% about that, but that's the rumor. Um, so that that's what's going on with that. So just just stay tuned, folks, and be go to YouTube and check out our live stream. Um, you won't be disappointed. So what else do we got going on here? We have uh Oh, we can't forget we also have the our Willie Williams art contest going on. Yes. And to, uh this this week's cryptid is gonna be Mothman. This so, month this month. Or this yeah, I'm sorry, this month's cryptid is gonna be Mothman. So all you artists out there who listen to us uh, whether you're a digital artist or, or a, a hand-drawn artist, doesn't really matter. In, in whatever way you make art, if you can uh, make a drawing or a rendition of a Mothman and submit it, then uh, you'll be entered into the contest. Uh, there's, what, three winners, right? First, second, third place? First, second, third place, mm -hmm. yeah. And we had debated about whether the digital should be allowed, but, I mean, if people if people draw it on the computer, you know, that's... well. I mean, why not have like two, why not put them in separate categories, have a digital contest and a hand-drawn contest? Okay, so you're going to pay for that? All right, that's cool. So there you have it, folks. Anthony will be paying for that. That's awesome. Never yeah. mind. That's not a good idea. Don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, okay. Prizes Only a good idea stickers. if it's on someone else's dime. Stickers, yeah. The prizes will be stickers. We have a few SpongeBob stickers left mm -hmm. from my uh, little niece's uh, Easter, whatever we got together. We'll, we'll, use, we'll give those away. That'll be great. So now here, here's what's going on, folks. I, I also, I, my, my mom, I, she's in the hospital as of the recording of this. Um, she, they were, they were going to do the procedure. Then she started bleeding in her brain again. So please keep her in your prayers. Please, please, please get my mother in your prayers. Also, Nellie, your back issues. Um, it's constantly bothering her. And it just it drives me nuts because I feel bad. I can't do nothing to her. Um, that sounded horrible. I don't mean, I don't mean I can't do nothing to her. Like, shut up. <laughs> you know what That's I mean? Funny. I can't do nothing for her. Mm -hmm. I can't help her. You know, she just wants me to be quiet and I'd have to sit there. And that's the only thing that seems to help work for her. It's me being quiet. So anyways, that's very hard for me, folks. It's very hard on me. This is very hard on me. Uh, so anyways, we need prayers, seriously. And uh, of course, the person we mentioned earlier, Johnny Henderson, his wife's a a April. And uh, please pray for her too. She needs some some prayers. She has she has cancer, so much cancer going on. I'm just you know. But anyways, we got to we got to be uh, moving on here. Um, lot to talk about. Uh, it, before we move any further, is that it? 
Do we have anything else we got to discuss? I don't think we're ready to get into it. Yeah. Like I said, you got my email address, folks. Oh, there is one other thing before we go forward. Let me go ahead and and and, and, and read this out. Are we have because I announced it on the live stream on YouTube. So for you guys who who just stubbornly refuse to go and watch me live, um, shame on you first of all. But then I have to read this to you. It's uh, our uh, PO box number. If you want to send some stuff, we've actually gotten some pretty cool stuff in the mail. Uh, Six thousand one West Palmer Lane. Suite 370, PMB 131, Austin, Texas, 78727. That's the address. And we'll go ahead and put that in the description box so you so you don't have to read that every time. Yeah. It'll be in the description of each episode on, on YouTube. You want to mail us something, some cool something or another you got, and that's fine. Um, just no live scorpions or anything like that, please, because they do monitor the mail and you will be held liable for any scorpions that pop out and sting the poor people. All right. So anyways, what we got going on today, uh, I'd psych myself up for this one. We have done 120 episodes, right? I believe. And, and we've done 15 live streams and I have not done this subject yet. Now I did touch on this subject, um, back, uh, several weeks ago. And, uh, and it was, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now, it was on episode, um, it was the one I did with my old friend, Tony Duran, and it was called Black Hellhounds of Taylor, Texas. And that episode, I'm just going to make sure I'm correct here, was number 105. So in episode 105 of Black Hellhounds of Taylor, Texas, I had my good friend on that I used to box with, Tony Duran. And uh, we talked about some stuff that had happened to us together, a paranormal experience that we had together and with a couple of friends of ours. And, and we talked a little bit about this building that we both worked at. He worked there after I did. Um, I did warn him that the building had issues, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, another one of our friends named Chad, he worked there too. Uh, and had some issues in the building. Um, he's not really wanting to come on and talk about it. We had another, I, I knew another guy too that actually worked there for a long time, uh, lost touch with him over the years, but he had, he was, was, uh, pretty freaked out by it. I don't really know what the deal was with this building. If it was just one thing causing all of these incidents or if it was a like plethora of things that were just all coming together, maybe there was some sort of giant portal there. That's kind of what I have come to the conclusion. Maybe that's what it was. And um, each floor had its own little circus of, of things going on. But uh, Tony, Tony talks about that a little bit uh, on that show, on that episode. And, uh, now I'm going to get into, and, and I waited to do this show until I was able to get Tony Duran on and, and because I wanted to lead into this episode with you know him having said, hey, yeah, this place is haunted. It is messed up because most of the paranormal incidents that have happened to me, and I've discussed most of them on my show, or many of them, not all of them, but <clears throat> I have talked about a lot of them and I've had witnesses. It's not like I was just out there, you know, by myself, you know, uh, and something happened. Um, that has happened. 
But but a lot of times these major ones, I've had witnesses, I've had people with me who have experienced these things with me, who've seen it happen, who can witness, they can they can vouch for me, they can verify that these things really did happen. Um, and Nellie, you and Anthony, being prominent people in my life, you guys have heard many people tell you their versions of stuff that have happened to them yeah, when they've been with me. Mm -hmm. And so, but this was one that I kind of have to go alone on, you know, other than with, with, with what Tony had said about what happened to him in the building. But uh, I was glad that, that not, not glad that he went through some stuff because that's not, I'm not glad that my friend suffered. I'm saying. Just glad that you weren't the only one. That I wasn't the only one that, that, that he can, that, that was willing to talk about it so that I can come on and talk about it without sounding completely insane. But um, I'm going to get into this. And I'm telling you, folks, I had to psych myself up for this. Is something that I've been. It's uh, it's been a long time coming, and, and I'm going to relive this. Okay, now this happened to me when I was a young kid. I mean, I was a kid. I was like 18 when I started working there. Now, unlike a lot of people, I had to work all the time. You know, from the time I was like 15 on, I've always had one, two, maybe three jobs. I've never been able to. I never had parents that really would do things for me, so I kind of had to go it alone. And uh, so working was very important. Uh, my tia Rosa or my aunt Rosa had told me I was needing a job. I had been fired from my job at Shortstop. Now, folks, if you don't know what a Shortstop is, it's a little burger joint with a little drive-through here in Austin. Um, pretty tasty burgers, uh, but I beat up someone in the drive-through. Um, over a soda that I got incorrect and they got mouthy and they threw change in my face. So me and my coworker, a guy named Red, we went out there and we beat these guys up in the parking lot. I never imagine you of all people getting violent. No, it, it was, it's hard to believe. It is very hard yeah, to believe. And such then, a big teddy bear. Then I was fired for no reason other than beating someone about the face, breast, chest, neck, and head area. It was a system of oppression. That's all it, it was. It is. Fired you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I ended up getting fired. And by a guy who literally, I'm not kidding, my boss, he looked like Urkel. Like, he's like, you're fired. You guys are out of here. And Red was always making fun of him. And he was like, goodbye. Throws his apron in his face. And, you know, we leave. And uh, the guy literally, like, he even rolled his pants. I swear, he looked like Urkel. And everybody called him Urkel behind his back. But, uh, I mean, he was, you know, and then, when, then there was another boss named Clifford. He was actually a really good guy. But uh, getting off topic there, but it's crazy because I got fired, so I didn't have a job. So my aunt told me, hey, why don't you do security? So that day when she told me to go do security, that began a chapter of my life that has never closed. I was just like, okay, and what do I do in security? She says, well, they're all, those security companies are always hiring. You know, they'll hire anybody. <laughs> and so I was like, great, I'll fit right in. She's like, just go over there, you know, and and, and, I, and I had been in trouble as a kid, but I didn't have an adult record yet because I'd only been an, uh, considered an adult for several months. And uh, luckily the beating the, the took place when I was only 17, so I wasn't like, you know. Um, so I was 18 years old, and so I went to apply for a company. And I don't want to say the name of it because I don't know. I, it was a company out of California and this was back in the early to mid nineties. Um, and, and that company is, I believe, let's see, they're not around in Austin anymore, but they may still be out there in California. So I don't want to say, you know, they were a very large company and they had all of the downtown building contracts. And so I worked for a few, for a few of those different buildings. Now, 
I got I got the job. I walked in. They checked my pulse and they said, "Hey, you're alive." So they gave me the job. wasn't hard, and uh, they paid a little more than than most other jobs that I had. So um, they asked me. Uh, I met a guy. Uh, his name was John Jackson. He was a really good guy. And uh, he told me he's the one that helped me get my company started too, my business, whatever. Uh, when he retired. Now, he told me, he says, do you want to make some money, like actually make some money money, or do you want to just work? And I was like, what does that mean? He goes, well, I got two accounts that pay more than the others, and I have a hard time staffing them. And I was desperate. I needed money. And so I said, okay. So he, the first job he put me at was at a recycling center on the east side, and it was straight up ghetto hood. I mean, the people that would try to break in on a nightly basis, they were – I mean, it was bad. And so I got to where I wasn't even wearing my uniform. I was just out there wearing a regular T-shirt, you know, because I had heard that one of the other guards had gotten shot at because he looked kind of coppish, and so they shot at him. And so I and I had a dog that I would take out there with me, and uh, he wasn't a tough dog or anything. He was useless, but at least I had a companion, you know. And um, something kind of creepy that happened to me there. Now I'll tell you about that. I was I was turning the corner one time doing my rounds, we had this Detex with this, it looked like a giant canteen. It's something so old and archaic that we would never even, Anthony, you've never even seen one of these things. And it, it, it you, you stuck it on the little deal and you twisted it and, and you keyed it in. And that's how you, you told, you know, that was, it punched a paper and it showed them that you were there at that time doing that particular hit. So I was doing my round and I saw what I thought was a man laying in the ditch that we, at the, in, in the edge of the property that kind of sloped down. And as I walked over there to it, I saw this sort of like what, what I thought was like a shadow get up and move toward the fence. And then it was like when I shot my light, it was gone. So that kind of freaked me out. And it was a very creepy place. And I was not really so uh, afraid of like spirits or anything there as I was just homeless people that were really like bad over there. Yeah. And then of the thugs that would hang out over there, and I was just like them breaking in and cutting my throat was kind of my worry. So that was probably the only like kind of roguish account that that company actually had. So uh, I went back to my boss, and I said, "Thanks, but no thanks. I don't really want this this assignment. And you know, I I, I I'd rather have something else. You know, what is the other account you're talking about that pays a dollar more? You know, than the than the others than the other accounts." And he goes, well, he's like, do you believe in ghosts? When he asked me that, he said it with a laugh because Jackson was one of those people, if he did believe in ghosts, he never let on. Uh, he did, however, tell me a Bigfoot story, which I believe I had told one time. Um, but he, So he kind of believed in that because it was something that he had experienced, but he never believed in ghosts. Uh, so he was kind of like, you believe in ghosts? And he kind of laughed, and I was like, well – I guess, yeah, I had had some experiences up to that point when I was a kid. And I thought, well, yeah, I guess they exist. And I did think back to what I had seen, like that shadow thing, you know. And I thought, you know, like, what, what, what are we talking about here? You know, are we talking Amityville Horror or are we talking about like Casper? You know, yeah. there's a huge range of ghosts. So he told me, he says, well, I'm having a hard time staffing this building because people believe in ghosts. I got two solid guys there, but th there's I have I need four guards, and I'm there's the other two slots are just I cannot keep them filled. Um, so I need somebody that can go over there and not be afraid and and do their job. And I thought, you know what, I'll I'll, I'll give it a shot. 
you know, put me in, put me in coach. Anyways, I, I, you know, he put me at this place and I can't, I don't want to say the name of the building or where it's at because I don't know if that's, I don't want people going and messing around and them saying, oh yeah, I've heard Josh Turner talking about it. Yeah. You don't want to be liable. For I don't want to be liable fool. for something. Yeah. And it is close to a ghost tour. There's a couple of them here in Austin. And Nelly, when we did the ghost tour, there was a restaurant not far from there that's haunted, notoriously haunted. And we went to that restaurant mm-hmm. and then I showed you the building that's not that far from it. Um, now, that's all I'm going to tell you. There is a convenience store that's close by. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, that's I'm not going to give any more than that. Uh, but uh, so I go to work for this this at this building. My first night there... I showed up early. I was eager to uh, not be working in in the hot in the summertime out at the recycling centers. I was like glad. I walked in. I was like, "Oh, it's air conditioned. It's nice." You know, it was like a whole another world than what I was doing. And so I was happy to be there. And uh, I met these two guys. One's name was Donald. We called him Donnie. And the other guy was Zachary, and we called him Zach. And uh, so one was a uh, a black guy, uh, Donnie. He was from the southeast Austin. And the other guy was named Zach, and he was from northwest Austin. And they couldn't have been from two more two different places. I mean, Donnie was very street. You know, he was from a bad area. Zach grew up in a nice upper middle class neighborhood. They were completely different people, like polar opposites. But they got along great. They were friends. They had been working there. Uh, Donnie had been there for about eight months. Zach had been there for over a year. So I'm thinking, if this place is so haunted, then, you know, why are these guys, you know, like, you know, what's the big deal? And yeah, didn't scare them off. Didn't scare them, you know. And then there was a guy that was a lieutenant that, that was the boss, but he was only there during the day for six, seven, eight hours a day, whatever. And then he was, he turned the building over to everybody else. It was run by a company that, that did manage two or three of the other buildings, a management company and there was a lady that worked there I'll call her Linda and she would show up every now and then but she and she was very unfriendly not a nice person uh rude <clears throat> very snarky and plus you're a kid she treated me like a punk kid and I didn't like her um so th- she was the one kind of in charge our our liaison or whatever you want to call it the person that we would deal with the client um, and apparently the owner was very, he was a very eccentric individual who had this place built. He was very weird. Um, there was a lot of weird stuff in that place. Uh, and I, and so without giving it away, you know, or saying too much or whatever, um, it was a bank building at the time. And so the, my first day there, I got there early and, and I was all eager, you know, and started talking to Donald and he introduced himself and uh, he asked me, you know, how long I've been with the company. I told him I was, I would, I had been on post for about four or five weeks at the other, a little over a month at the other site, told him where I was at. And he was like, Oh, that place is terrible. He's like, I filled in one night over there. It's bad. And I was like, so how does this stack up to that? He goes, Oh, this is a cakewalk. He's like, as long as you're not easily spooked. And I was like, well, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not a, scaredy cat you know i'm not i'm not it's not gonna spook me whatever well i figured out that that i am a sensitive maybe even beyond a sensitive i'm an experiencer and so if something's around um i'll I'll notice it I'll, i'll i'll feel it i can you know i know it's there sometimes i'll see it or hear it and so it wasn't a place for me it wasn't that kind of a place that i should have been 
Um, so they showed me around and he showed me around. And then later that evening, um, my first two hours in, I hadn't even done a patrol yet. Uh, Zach showed up and uh, it was real nice. Um, and they were very accommodating and, and Zach's like, he goes, man, I really hope that you stay. Uh, he brought me some food and, uh, we talked and we, we hit it off right away. He was a good kid. I liked him and Donnie. Both of them were great guys and they got along real well. And, uh, they even hung out sometimes outside of work. And so I thought, man, these guys are, these guys are cool, you know? And so the, I, I worked five sh days a week at that time, five shifts. I worked Tuesday through, uh, Saturday or Tuesday through, yeah, Tuesday through Saturday. And I was off Sunday and Monday. <clears throat> so there was another kid that they hired to work the, the other two days. He was just a part-time college kid. And I think his name was Taylor or Tyler or something it started with a T. I can't, he was so he was so short lived there. I can't remember his name. And uh, so he came in to train with me after I had only been there for about a week. And then Zach showed up that night. And and so, uh, but that that's getting a little head of, of of what's going on here. So that this was like the first night, you know. And then Zach said he showed me around. He took me up to the top floor, and it was really cool. They have like this little area where you can walk around the building. If you're scared of heights, I wouldn't suggest it. And I am. And, but I, back then I was just, I was a different person, you know, and I, I walked around it and I thought, wow, the city's beautiful. You can see it. I, I sat up there and I would read books. Uh, that's kind of what I did. Um, so I sat up there the first night and, and on my patrol, I was reading a book. Uh, and I remember, um, looking out over the city and thinking, man, this is a nice pose. This is peaceful. It's calm. You know, there's a nice breeze. It's like they had a helicopter, uh, landing pad on the very top, which was kind of unusual. Um, and I decided to go and hang out up there and, and stand there and, 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 and I brought a uh, camera the second night. I brought a, a camera and took some photos of the city. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Well, the second night I was there is when the fun began. It didn't take long. I went up into the elevator like I was shown to do my, we had to be up into the, in the building for two and a half to three hours. Okay. But I, it, it turned out that it really just meant three hours, two and a half. That when I would only do two and a half hour patrols, I would get in trouble. So we were forced to be up in the building for at least three hours a night. Uh, that was the tower, okay? Because the control room was down in the basement. Now the basement was just like there was like a ramp that, that, that drove down into it, and that's where the deliveries and everything were. Then you walked up this other little ramp, and there was the basement. And in the basement, there was, if you walked out of the control room, there was like snack machines, then a little, little a hallway that led to like a little, like a little lunchroom, um, where they served food during the afternoon. And then there was like a shoe shine deal, which you rarely see those anymore. And they like, like where you could get a sh your shoes shine, whatever. And then they had like, like a little, little spot where I guess they used to give haircuts or something. It wasn't, was, was defunct. It wasn't there anymore. And, uh, so, uh, this is what happened. <clears throat> the first, my first night there, the patrol, the second night there, patrol first night, nothing happened. Cause I was with Donnie and Zach most of the night. And then the Lieutenant that came in to talk to me. And so I was, wasn't really alone that much. And then we had a, a, a night captain there at that company, they called them night captains. He showed up. Uh, there's a little guy named Lewis, really, really cool guy. So Lewis showed up. And I was with him for a couple hours. So I was barely alone the first night. The second night, I was actually alone. And the, the shift began at 11. 
and ended at seven, the average shift. Now, I did do a lot of doubles there. Uh, but so anyway, second night I was there, I go up into the, I go to the elevator and I, uh, like it kept track of you through a computer. Now, even though this was the nineties folks and kids are listening, we did have computers back then. They just weren't as good as they are now, but they were capable. They were capable of tracking you. And, and you had a DTEX, uh, that was just like a little key, a little half key. And you would punch it in on each floor to let them know that you were on that floor and that they could track how long you were on that floor. And it sent the message down to the to the to the computer down in the control room, which also created a printout. And so they knew you were where you were at and what you, you know how long you're on each floor or whatever. And uh, I got to fi- I kind of figured out you know, how it worked. They really didn't care what floor you were on, just as long as you're up there for three hours. It just they didn't really seem to complain, um, which was kind of weird. But anyway, so I go up I go up to the elevator and uh, I was shown. The, the top floor, the, and then there was a penthouse, you know, area, uh, the roof. So I kind of knew where to go. So I knew to start at the very top floor to go check the, the roof and then go to the penthouse and then go down to the top floor. And I'm not going to tell you how many floors because then you'll – people might be able to figure it out. So anyways, I'm on that very top floor. Uh, so the elevator, the first thing it does is it just stops, and uh, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know how far up I'm at. So I had this archaic cell phone that was the size of a freaking like a like a brick. Like a brick, yeah. And I, and I was trying to call Lewis, and it just kept going. Rah, rah, so I couldn't get through to the night captain. So I'm stuck in this elevator. Then it kind of wobbles and then moves again. And I'm thinking, whoa! Like this didn't happen the first day. This was the second day. So, anyways, I end up. You know, in this elevator, and it, and then it starts to move, and I and then I can, you know, I see you see the numbers, whatever, and it goes to the top floor, and uh, it just stops, and uh, I sit there, and I sit there, and I'm looking at my watch, and I'm going like, what in the heck is going on? I'm pushing all the buttons, trying to get out. There was two doors. There was one front door that opened up into the elevator lobby, and then there was a service door that opened up behind me. And that's the one that opened up. Uh, this is where the b- adventure begins because I turn and I see nothing but pitch black. It's it's pitch dark. And there was a club that used to be up there that was an exclusive club. I believe Masons used to go there and have parties and get-togethers or whatever. Um, really rich elite people, stuff like that. Um, it was under renovations, I guess, at that time they said – but there was, I mean, and, and so I had a big old flashlight and I shined it around and I realized that I was in the kitchen. Um, so I began to walk into the kitchen and my flashlight literally does like, I'm not kidding. Like it just started to blink and then go out. And I thought, oh my gosh. And so then I was fumbling my way through this kitchen to try to find my way. I, I didn't know where I was going to go or how I was going to get back around to the elevator lobby because I, you know, when we went through that area, mm-hmm. the light was on. So I kind of closed my eyes and I thought about, okay, where was the light at? Where was I at? Like where, you know, not, not the light switch or whatever, but where did I come in and how did we, you know? And so I didn't really pay attention to that part too good. And, you know, when you're a teenager and you're dumb, you don't really pay attention like you should. And Anthony, you know, I was going to say, that. you better find a light switch. Yeah. So it's I, not I'm, like in the horror movies where something <laughs> goes bump at night and they don't bother to turn any lights on at all. Yeah. 
So I, I'm fumbling around thinking, where could the light switch be? Um, and there's no lighting anywhere. I mean, it's pitch black. You, there's the exit signs. You don't even see the exit signs. And so I'm fumbling around for a while, you know, touching everything, you know. Um, and then I hear what I thought was breathing. And I heard it kind of like, it, it and, I, and I'll try to recreate it. It was kind of like... And it was getting more pronounced. And I thought, okay, I actually kind of got relieved a little bit because at that moment I thought, okay, these people are messing with me. All right. You know, you start to think, okay, Zach and Donnie and them are messing with me. It's not unheard of. People play pranks. I thought, you know what? These guys, they're probably playing a joke on me because it sounded just like a person. And then, you know, and I was, I wasn't uh, a scaredy cat kid. I had been, you know, spent some time in, you know, in facilities as a kid. And so I had the flashlight and I was like, you know what, I'm going to F you up. You know, you better quit playing with me. Then I started to hear what sounded like footfall and it was coming in my direction from my left. And I look and I, I couldn't see anything. I mean, it was so dark. So I just went the opposite direction of that. And eventually I, f- I found some, uh, push doors, you know, like the, the two, the two doors that fly open and they go from the kitchen. And I ended up kind of what was in like a dining room and I could feel the chairs and everything. And I knew that it was a dining room. Then I heard like a crash come from the kitchen. It sounded like pots and pans or something like, like I go, Oh, okay. Somebody's in there. They tripped. Ha ha. So I, I go and I start feeling along the wall, trying to find a light, trying to find a light. And eventually I did. And I got to the end and I turned it on and all it was was these little lights on the on the far end of the dining area. That's all it did was turn those on. And I'm like, what the freaking heck? So then I had a little bit of light. And so then I looked into the kitchen and I didn't see anything. And I thought, well, that's weird. And But you could there was enough light where you could just see in through the little windows. And I thought, okay. So if there is somebody in there, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to confront this person, you know, cause they, they, they did sound like a large person and I was terrified. I'm not going to lie. I was scared. And so I went to grab the, the phone and, and I was trying to call. And eventually I did, I, I got a hold of Lewis and I said, Lewis, I said, I'm, I'm over here and I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I'm stuck up here in this club. And he's like, he's like, well, you know what? I can't, I can't get to you right now until about another 30 minutes and, and I'll, and I'll head your way. And so I said, okay, all right. And he goes, and I'll meet you down in the control room. So he goes, just, 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 you know, work your way down, you know, into the control room, you know? And I said, all right. So I said, I'm going to go ahead and try to get, find my way up to the penthouse and at least do that and then clear this floor and then go down. Um, and so I, I just kind of fumbled my way. He gave me a little bit of direction, told me when I told him where I was at, he told me kind of where to go. Um, I walked out and I, and I did what he said and I ended up getting to the elevator lobby. Uh, so that, 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 that whole first, that first part or whatever was scary. Here's what happened. Right when I closed the door to the elevator lobby, I heard something like moving up against it. You know how it sounds like somebody sliding up against the door on the other side of it? Yeah. Okay. That's what it sounded like. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know half of me was terrified. The other half was like, okay, these people are really taking this too far. You know, like this is, you know, and uh, so I thought about opening the door and seeing this person fall out and then just clubbing them like a baby seal with my freaking flashlight. Folks, I don't advocate the clubbing of baby seals, but people who act, who mess with you. Yeah. Okay. 
So I got the courage and I opened the door and there was nothing there. So I closed the door and I thought, man, this is freaky. I don't think I'm going to like working here. Now I know what they're talking about. This place is spooky. Uh, but you know what? I was determined because I was broke and I was poor. Uh, <laughs> if I had uh, you know, a situation where I live with my mom and dad and I didn't have to work like that, I would be like so many people I know and just go, well, I'm just not going to work there and just quit and just leisurely enjoy hobbies and video games and find another job until I got tired of that job because I didn't have that luxury. It was sink or swim for me, so I had to deal with it. So I make my way over to the door that goes up to the penthouse. Now, this is this is something that was really weird, okay? Uh, weirder than what had just happened. There was one of those little plastic push carts that had the little wheels, you know, where they would bring out like a serving oh, cart. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it had a a thing of coffee beans, like a, it was a metal tray and it had like some coffee beans in it. Um, and, and was really weird. Like I, I, it was in front of the door to the penthouse and it wasn't there the day before the night before when Donnie and them were showing me around him and Zach. So I, uh, I picked up the tray and I kind of looked at it and the beans looked like they were all melted together, That's which was, hard. it was bizarre. And so I kind of poked it and I was like, Ooh, they're sticky and you could like turn it and they didn't like, you know, you know how when some, when, when Dairy Queen hands you the blizzard, they turned upside yeah, down. Yeah. They were stuck together. They were stuck together. Yeah. And so I thought this is, this is gross. I don't know what it is. I thought maybe they had just molded together or something like they had been there for so long. Yeah, And so I just like put it back down and I moved the, the cart out of the way and was like, that's weird. And and I opened the door and I went up into the penthouse and then I did my round on the roof and I came back down, came back down the penthouse and nothing happened up there. Nothing spectacular. Um, I did my DTEX and all that. Uh, I go to open the door to the penthouse back into the elevator lobby. And guess what? The cart is pushed up against the door so that I was, it was literally underneath the doorknob. So at that moment, I knew, I was like, okay, these people are messing with me. They push this thing there. Ah, okay, I get it. So I'm like over there yelling. So then I'm trying to call Lewis, and I couldn't get any signal. You couldn't get any signal up in that penthouse. So I couldn't get out. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to sit here until Lewis comes. And, you know, he'll probably just have to come up here and get me. You know, I'll just sit here. So at that time, um, he was paging me. You know, and and I and for some reason the pager you could get the the pager was working, but the 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 big giant GI Joe brick cell phone you know from Vietnam was not working, uh, and it was like it's something that had been used in the Korean War or something, and so I kept trying to call and it wasn't working, and so I I just kept pushing, and so then at this point I started getting mad, you know, because I was my main emotion at that at that age was anger, so I started kicking the door, and then the little cart moved, and I opened the door, and I was like you know, dang it. You know, I was very angry at that point. I started cussing and screaming. And when I kicked, uh, the coffee beans had fallen off of the, the little cart and they were all over the floor. So they weren't like stuck together. Anymore. They were no longer stuck together. And at first I was starting to walk. I started to just walk away and I was stepping on them and I'm like, Whoa, wait a minute. These beans were like, solidified like gelled together on this metal you know thing and and now they're loose and I picked them up and they were dry I mean they were completely dry so I gathered a bunch of them up and I put them I you know inside the little dill and I sat there pondering it just kind of looking at it going like what how is this even possible like what happened to the 
like like how they were all stuck together. They were it was almost like they were dry, fresh coffee beans. So that was really weird. So you know that that part right there um, was uh, you know I, I I can't explain that. Uh, I got in the elevator and I went back down, and uh, like I said, this was my second night there. And uh, I met Lewis. He he showed up in the cage, which is what we where we parked. That's what we called it, the cage. And he called and says, "Hey, I'm out in the cage. Uh, can can you let me? Can you buzz me in?" And I re- didn't realize that he couldn't get in anyway. I would have been stuck up there. So I, I I got him and I said, "I think somebody's messing with me. I think it might be these guys, you know, whatever." And he's like, "Well, I drove around the, the building, you know, and I didn't see anybody. I drove in the parking uh, parking garage, you know." And uh, I didn't see anybody. And then I went into the cage, you know, whatever, and parked. And and uh, I didn't see anybody because I told him, you know, that that I felt like there was something going on, you know, and and I was there might be somebody there with me. And because uh, I was in the in the kitchen, you know, and had that incident. And uh, he told me he's like, I, I, let's go upstairs. Let's go look, you know. So you could look on the computer. And you could see the 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 printout. You could see it. It would show you on the computer, like like what floor, if somebody was on a floor, an alarm would go off, and it would buzz on the computer. Now I could see on the computer that 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 I was the only one who had gone up. You know, nobody. There was no other keys who that had been used to get into the, any of the floors. So me and him went up, and uh, we went and we walked all through the that that club area. We walked all over the place. Here's what's really, really weird. Once we got over to where the penthouse was with that little tray, all the beans that had been spilled on the floor, I was telling them about it, they were all neatly put back into the into the little tray. And they were once again gooed and closed up. And I felt crazy trying to tell this guy that. I was, you know, and so I didn't. I, I, I started to tell the story and then I said, Oh, okay. Well, there's the there's the beans in the tray, and he didn't ask any more questions about it, and I didn't tell him. So, I just was like hoping that he didn't go. What are you talking about? Beans all over the place. You know, they're all right there, and you know they're all squished together. He didn't say anything about it, so I didn't tell him. So when we go back downstairs to the control room, he sits down on the edge of the desk and he begins to. Not lecture me, but like tell me, hey, you know, he goes, there's some weird stuff that happens in this building, in particular this one, you know, and, uh, you know, every time something happens, you know, he goes, you know, you know, calling me is not really going to help because I have, you know, 20 something properties I have to check every night and and I, I might not be able to get to you to help you. He goes, there's a lot of weird stuff that'll happen, but for the most part, he goes, nobody's really been hurt, you know? So for the most part, what do you mean for the most part? Yeah. Well, he said for the most part, but there was an incident where someone had actually fainted, had passed out and it was on camera. And then, you know, luckily a janitor had come in in the morning and the guy was like laying there, just had a seizure or something, you know? The, the the story was that the guy had gotten so terrified of something that he had a seizure and that he could never talk about it and he ended up quitting. And of course, nobody could completely verify that story. But that that was the incident he was talking about. He said that there was an incident at one time where somebody had had a seizure. Um, and the story was that he was scared into the seizure. Wait, uh, so I have a question. Yeah. Were those 
coffee beans on that tray were were was that not on camera that like that area yeah it was mm -hmm. and, and when y'all checked the camera footage y'all didn't see anything yeah and when we looked at the camera when i when, when i looked at the camera footage um he didn't look at it you know he wasn't there very long he just talked to me real quick and left when i looked at the camera footage all i saw was just me going up into the penthouse and when I come back down, the door just like the, the, the little cart was just there, like like right next to the door. And when I pushed the, the cart, the cart just moved. That's all that was. That's all you saw. So, yeah, that's a good point. And, and it was I knew that that wasn't correct because I remember distinctly the beans falling. See, this, this is the, that that stuff like that is what started to make me question my sanity you know because i thought okay i'm i'm you know i'm losing my mind here okay so was the cart rolling in front of the door was no that on camera no it was just right there the whole time that's what's crazy but here here's what i'll tell you so i called zach the next day uh you know during during the daytime and zach was doing the third the, the swing shift and i called him and i said hey i'm gonna come in a little bit early i have some questions for you and he goes oh, i bet you do and and so I, when I showed up, I was kind of ticked off because I thought maybe him and Donnie and them were playing games, you know. And I showed up and I said, do you guys make it a habit of hazing the new guy or what's going on here? And he goes, he's like just sitting there. He just looks at me very matter-of-factly. He goes, I knew you were going to think that. He goes, there's one way to do this job. He goes, to, he goes it's, it's to let it get to you or just do what I do and completely ignore it. He's like, it doesn't bother me. He's like, because I don't let it bother me. And I said, okay. I said, so what are you saying? He goes, this place is haunted. He's like, and it's, it's haunted in a way that if you let it get to you, it can really mind F, yeah. you, you know. And so, you know, he, he told me, he goes, if you don't believe me, ask Donnie. I was like, he's like, he's been here for several months. He's made it. Now, Donnie had a different method of dealing with it. He would just put on headphones when he would do his rounds. And he just absolutely would not give it any at all, whatever. I got the impression that Zach was kind of fascinated by it, though. And I found some of his weird drawings and stuff that he would do that he claimed were from nightmares that he had from working there. He was an artist, very good artist. And he drew some weird stuff, and it was, it was creepy. And, like, he left his sketchbook there one day, and I was flipping through it, and I thought, oh, my gosh. And I was on a double. So I didn't want to, I, I couldn't even, I'll get into that in, in later on. Um, he told me about some of the incidents that had happened to him. He told me that there were faces that would appear on the floor uh, in the basement area when you would go out to get like a pack of M&Ms and a soda. He told me that there was a, what's, what looked like a spectral soldier that would walk around the grounds and people would see it periodically. Um, he said that the, the, the convenience store right there on the corner was also haunted. It was also part of the same little grid or whatever, the, uh, um, the same block. And, uh, he said it was haunted too. And the people that worked there, he knew them. One was a Japanese guy. It was very cool. And then there was a African-American lady that worked there and I got to know them pretty well. And they told me some crazy stuff that had happened to them on their shifts. Um, but I'll talk about that later. Did, did he describe these faces to you? Yeah, he said that they were weird. It was like uh, you could make them out, but that they looked like water, like rippling water, like moving. 
I never saw that. Thank goodness. I, that that was something I never saw. I did hear what sounded like marbles being shot on the ground when I was in the area by where the like like right where the little little hall was. You know, there was like a. It sounded like kids or something shooting marbles, and and I heard whispering and conversations going on like all the time. Were you able to? Ever make those uh, conversations out or just? Uh, very little. Yeah, sometimes you could hear it. What were they saying? Um, one of the one of the most um, one of them that really got to me was like I heard he's coming, like somebody was telling somebody that that someone was coming, like oh he's coming, you know. And then I heard like there he is, things like that, you know. Um, I did see what looked like a face. And what was a partial, like maybe a body, full-bodied apparition, but no, like, not say full-bodied, it was half of a body because you didn't really see the legs of what looked like a man standing in uh, one of the uh, rooms. And I just ignored it. I mean, I mean, <clears throat> it was, it was, uh, there was some crazy stuff. Now, here's what happened. I worked that, that third, the third night I worked there, uh, nothing went on. Like, it was like. The, the second night never happened. So I said, I'm going to give it another shot. And I told myself, I'm going to, I'm going to work it. Nothing happened. But Zach did show up later on that night, you know, and, uh, and was real nice, you know, and, and, and hung out with me for a couple of hours and we went up to the top and we talked and, and, uh, he, he brought his girlfriend. I met her. She was very nice. And, and they were, they were, they were really nice people. She was like, I don't, I will never come here She's like, when I bring him food, she's like, I don't go to the cage. I just go out into the side of the property and let him come out and get it. She's like, I don't go in there. I've had weird stuff happen to me. She claimed that something pulled her hair one time and she was walking down the ramp uh, going to the basement control room. So that, that was it for her. She never went back. She didn't see anything else or hear anything. She just had that happen and that was it. She was done. Um, when you were down in the in the bathroom, that was one of the things that I had talked to him about. I would hear toilets flushing up in the building all the time. You could hear it. And you're going like, why is there water running? There's nobody in the building. You're by yourself. There was a fourth level entrance from the garage, but you would see it. You would hear the little beep, 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 and you would know, and then you would just push a button and it would clear so you would know that somebody was coming in from the fourth level, which and you could see them on camera. There was one particular lady that would come in late at night once in a while. She or come in early, I guess. She was a, a paralegal, and then there was a lawyer that would stay up at the very top floor. Who the owner of the building that was his lawyer, and so he let him stay up there, and he had an apartment up there, which I found out. Yeah, he had like a little apartment. He would stay up there, and he was the only one in the building hardly ever. Um, who was regularly up there. Uh, and then there would be long periods where he wouldn't, he wouldn't be up there at all. And there would be nobody in the building, but you, and, uh, there were certain spots in the building that I call sanctuary spots because I could go into those spots and nothing would happen and I would feel safe. So I would hang out and hide in those spots. Um, when I did my rounds, um, like I said, I wouldn't have stayed if I didn't need the money. It was, it was, you know, so here's what happened. They hired a guy to do the opposite days of me. And so I was training him, uh, to do my job, um, on those opposite days. Uh, Donald came in and was helping me train this guy. And, uh, he basically, 
um, told the guy point blank, look, this building is haunted. If you're scared and stuff like that scares you, you can't work here. And the guy laughed. He's like, oh, okay. And he was some goofy kid with, you know, he just, he didn't look like he was all together. He looked like somebody who did narcotics. Let's put it that way. I mean, I was just like, okay, this kid's like, he looked like he was. And so when me and Donnie were outside talking, he goes, man, that kid ain't going to make it, dog. He's like, that, that dude looks like he's just stoned or something. And he, and he, and I said, well, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe he can handle it. You know, maybe he'll just be stoned his whole shift. <laughs> don't have to work him <laughs> and he goes he goes yeah but he goes he'd probably be seeing something you know and, and you know and it'll freak him out you know and he did so like i think the second night in the middle of the night they call me up and the field the field uh, uh manager field, the the night uh captain calls me up and he goes hey i need you to come up here and finish the shift it was 3 a.m he goes this kid's not here he's gone i i've been here for 20 minutes waiting for him he never came back you know took the phone and everything so I went up there and I finished the shift. It went off without a hitch. Um, it wasn't like every day something was going on. You know, it was like kind of like my my house I lived in in South Austin. This was the first time I had dealt with like a severe haunting, like just something in your face, you know, regularly on a regular basis. And it kind of prepared me for my house. You know, I think that's why I was able to live there as long as I did. But it it was it – was, uh, it wasn't all the time, you know, because if it was all the time, to me, I, I compare it to like, you know, how a, a spouse is abused or something. No. You know, it's like, oh, well, he's not always like that, you know, and then they keep taking it because he's, you know, he's, I guess some on some days he runs out of wild turkey and he's sober for a little bit or something, so he doesn't beat her, so she's happy. I, I, I don't know. That's what it seems like to me. It's like the spousal abuse thing, you know, and of course, Anthony, we've had relatives who've put up with it and they sit there and make excuses for the guy um and, and, you know i think we all know that but it, it that's kind of how you rationalize it's like oh it's not all the time it's not every day that something's going on you know but when it was going on it was ridiculous and so um yeah so like the 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 the, the, the i remember the start of the second week i was off the next day and i told him i said i can't work tomorrow you have to find somebody else so i, I think one of the other guys had covered that guy's shift when I when I had the day off, I kind of got my head clear and I went back. I was I was so not looking forward to going back to work there. I was um I just didn't want to I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there. And so I I went through the the the, the tower working, doing my, my job for a couple of days. I had did what Donald told me to do. I bought headphones. I wore them. I like what people nowadays would probably not even know this unless you're close to my age, a Walkman. Oh, Folks, yeah. what that is is it's like a big clunky thing with headphones that you you put a cassette tape in and you play it and then it stops on one side and you flip it over and play the other side. Um, so, you know, whatever cassette you had, that's what you were going to play, you know. Um, so I was walking around in the building listening to, you know, Metallica and Coolio and whatever was popular at that time. Um, and so I didn't have to hear stuff because I was hearing whispering and noises and um, I heard an argument one time in one of the rooms on the 10th floor. I opened the door. Nobody's there. I mm -hmm. mean, it's not like a woman, a man screaming at a woman. Um, Jeez. I mean, yeah, it was stuff like that. I mean, that, that, it happened a lot. I'd see shadows. Uh, one of the most terrifying things that happened to me was like on the eighth floor and, or no, it was the sixth floor and I was walking and I saw my shadow. Okay. And I'm, I'm kid you not. My shadow 
started to move independently of itself. And I'm like, why, why is my shadow even there? It doesn't make any sense. And then I look over and I see my actual shadow on the other side, like kind of behind me. And I'm like, that's not my shadow. It was just something that uh -huh. was kind of mimicking me. And then it went into the wall and was gone. You have a shadow doppelganger. Yes. And as I talk about this, you can mm -hmm. see the hair standing on my arms. If you guys are looking at this, mm -hmm. you can see this. Um, uh, the the second week was when I was also introduced to the soldier ghost. Uh, I was in the parking garage. All right, folks. So that's all the time we're going to have for tonight. We're going to be back next week with part two of the stories from this uh, this tower that I worked at. I hope that you guys will tune in. These are my personal experiences that happened at a very young age. And uh, so I'm giving you these stories. So please tune in. Thanks for listening.